Welcome to Craft Talk. I am Zachy Shemish. In this podcast, I will explore different topics. Anything from martial arts, self-defense, trauma recovery, and personal growth. All through the lens of Krav Maga and my experience on the mat working with thousands of people. In each episode, I will share expert insights, practical tips, and inspiring stories. If you're looking to take a deep dive into the world of self-defense and self-growth, this podcast has something to offer you. Today, I have the honor to host my dear friend, Elad Benfeld. Elad is an expert in Krav Maga, a fighter, a coach, a guide, and above all, a father. Elad, with decades of experience teaching children of all ages, specializes in training children with special needs. His big heart is the key for his success in the field. He lives by the quote, it is easier to build strong children than repair broken men. In this episode, we will talk about his unique approach to teaching children Krav Maga with emotional intelligence. Enjoy. Elad. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. I often tell my students and and, uh, other people that I have a conversation with about Krav Maga and about my personal history that there is someone who has uh, always been very significant in my decision making and uh, this person is you and I want to share your experience with uh, a lot of the other people that are listening. Uh, Everything is connecting to, to the uh, principles of the Krav Maga, how to behave. For me, Krav Maga, it, it's, a, it, it's a system for self-defense. For me, everything is self-defense. Everything I need to to handle, everything I need to to contact, it's it's self defense. It's it's my translation of the situation that will uh, will uh, say how it will be. It will be bad situation. It will be better situation. If something threatened me, so it, it's self defense situation. Even. Even if sometimes it's not a dangerous situation. When we were children and we trained in Krav Maga, we trained for the, for the worst situation, for the dangerous situation. When, when your life is threatened and now you need to react physically and very fast, very strong, this is one of the principles of the Krav Maga, but we are talking about dangerous situation. Most, for, for my, from my point of view, most of the self-defense situations are not danger. They are not dangerous situations. So I'm not allowed to fight. I'm not allowed to, to hit. I need to find a different solution to, to my problem, to, to, to my, my, my feelings how to handle my feelings. And this is where children come to, to, to the picture, you know, when, when we talk about children, because a lot of situations, they, they uh, translate them like they are dangerous and they are not dangerous. So if I need to talk about Krav Maga and to say, what is the foundation for, for starting everything? So we are talking about life skills, life skills. Mainly, mainly the adjustment, like a thermostat, yeah, exactly. 
And, and this is something we need to teach. And it's hard because we can understand it and we should, but we need to train it on the mat. There is a, it's, like the, it's like a laboratory. We can do everything on the mat. You know, we, we can adjust everything. But in real situations, it's different. So we, we, we teach the, the movements, but it's not enough. We need to teach the brain how to think right, how to make decisions, how to understand situations, and then make decisions. And then will come our reaction, and we want to, the reaction to be suitable to the situation. This is like everything. And it's hard because the regulator, what uh, uh, make it, make it uh, work, it's feelings. And if we cannot control the, our feelings, so the, the reaction won't be suitable to the situation. Either it will be high or low. It's how to make the exact level of the, the, the reaction. And this is something we need to train. So how this do you is one that? of the exactly that we'll we'll get to that, but this is one of the main life skills, okay? And of course we have a life skill of of dealing with frustration. Frustration is one of the basic. You, you can see it on a two years old, three years old boy or a girl when they build up, a, you know, a. a um, a building from cubes and it falls down, they don't succeed. You see the frustration. They, they, they can uh, burst with, with uh, the anger outside, like uh, with shouting or kicking. It, it will go outside somehow. Right, because this they feel the very much magnified, right? For them, that's the whole world right now. Exactly, exactly. And then this is why we start teaching since from that age, very, very young, to, to help them understand the situation, to mediate the situation to themselves. What happened? How should I take it? What should I do? You know, so parents, parents, this is the main, for, for my point of view, parents, this is the main uh, uh, job, the main uh, issue to show them to make an example to react in according to the situation so the child children will see and then to mediate the situation of course teachers the same every grown-up that stand in front of a child i think should do it but it's hard it's hard if, especially if we don't think about it but i think this is the education to show them how to help them mediate the situation to themselves, because how they will translate the situation, it it will reflect the 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 the, the way they will grow up, right. and we can see it. We can see the violence, because if they don't grow up tall, they grow up to the side because of uh, because of situations that they didn't know how to understand them so you're saying and that the interpretation of the situation determines how their the course of action 
will take place. And exactly. then that can eventually, when, when they have le less life skills, naturally the determination is that I am in some form of danger and then they become more violent, right? And in fact- Or more violent or less, you know? Or down or high. Hyperreactive or underreactive, right? But there's a yeah, less exactly. being in the, in the middle. Right? And, um, um, you know, in fact, when you, there's different between strength and power, right? So when you're trying to show power, is it when you're, when you're feeling weak, right? Strength is it when you don't need to show power, right? And I, uh, I recently came across and with a very, very nice uh, quote. Um, and uh, I thought I'll, uh, I'll share it. Because I think in my, in my view, that's the, uh, the foundation for teaching kids. Um, not just uh, adults, right? So a, a person who is seen becomes worthy and a person who is watched become dignified and a person who is listened to becomes wise, right? So if we teach our kids by example, if we lead by example and we show them that they, they, they matter and we care enough and they, they come first before any of the, uh, you know, adult, not very interesting Things that we're doing and sometimes we're doing things that are very interesting and very important but we show them that we care and they have a place and and they matter then they grow up to know that i matter right but if me as a father will not prioritize my my kids they will never feel like they exactly matter. exactly exactly that and then many times as parents we fail right especially that we, we try to do so well and we have so many parents who don't have this recognition of, you know, emotional intelligence, I would say, um, and to understand that they need to attend to their kids and the kids understand a lot more than what seemed to be understood from the situation, right? Um, yeah. Because they mimic us and, and they send, then they send them to uh, Krav Maga or martial arts and they say, well, you know, I got this recommended by the school or got this recommended by the child's therapist. Come fix my child, please. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's, it's, you touched a lot of uh, subject here. Yeah. And I, I think you touched the, the main issue. It's the self-worth of the children we want to grow up children that like love themselves to that appreciate themselves because if i need to to like put it in one sentence in order for a child to defend to defend himself to succeed defend himself he has to believe in himself in order for him to believe in himself he needs an adult to believe in him. For a child by himself to believe in, in himself, it's very, very hard, almost impossible. He has to have these adults that will show him, not only show him, make him feel that he is worth, uh, uh, worth. that's it, the point, you know? So if I'm going back, there are, for me, three main life skills that a lot of the other life skills uh, grow up from them. Connect. It's the, yeah, it's the uh, regulator. It's the 
frustration, dealing with frustration, and it's the uh, accepting others. To accept the someone else is something so fundamental because in order for me to control myself, I need to, to succeed hearing the other one, other guy, and, and hearing things that I don't like to hear, that is making me uncomfortable, even hurting me, and succeeding controlling my emotions, my thoughts, and then, of course, my reaction. Because the reaction is transparent of the, my thoughts and feelings. Okay? So this is the main thing. So these life skills that in every, every uh, situation, they are there. They are there for the children and also for us, for every adult. It's there all the time. Now, if the self-worth, self-esteem of the child is, is low, and we are talking about children, so basically it's low. They are children. We, we need to, to uh, yeah, we need to nourish them. So the self-esteem will, will go up and will be healthy, healthy self-esteem. This is the goal. So the goal is the children, not the Krav Maga. This is one of the, the understanding here because Krav Maga is a tool. It's the most, for me, it's the most relevant tool for dealing, for, for dealing with situations because it's not only physical. It's first of all mental. And then, then we will see the outside. And we, you talked about the, the parents that there are parents that, of course, there are people that they don't have the self-awareness or the, the, the sensitivity to see what the, what the children are saying, not with the words, but with their re reaction, with their behavior. And most of the, the people take it personally when something happens. And this is one of the, the, the things that I think instructor has to, to, to see. You don't take anything personally. Now, it's hard because we take everything personally. But this is the goal. If you come from a place, from a, a strong place, so you don't translate the situations against you. When the self-esteem is low, this is what you do. Everything is against you. So, of course, my decisions and my reactions won't be suitable to the situation. This is the point. You know, there is a... I like to ask parents, teachers, and the children, what is respect? Why we have to give respect to each other? Oh, the Israeli youth, they are like... A, very rude. They can say whatever they like, you know. I think it's maybe all over the world because it's the that age that this they, they allow themselves. Yeah, yeah. This generation has less. Uh, you know, I, we were told the same when we were young, but like this generation definitely has less values. Um, uh, yes, 
because I think they have less self-esteem because the adults have difficulty to nourish their, their self-esteem and they, they, have, they, lack, they have lack of the life skills and the social skills. So they check boundaries all the time and there is no boundaries. So if there is no boundaries, it's chaos. And then the values go up. I believe from my experience that there is a cure, a formula to deal with the violence. It's, and it's, it's inside what we are talking about, how to raise, to nourish the children so they will believe in themselves. Because I ask about their the respect, you know, and people say, why well, you have to give respect. Of course, it's, it's a, it's a way of life, it's values. Uh, I ask, why do I need to get up in the bus when I see an older person, an elderly person standing and doesn't have a place to sit? Why do I need to get up? Why? I, I, I agree, I need, but why? One, why I started asking that? Because in one of the uh, places that I, I worked, with children that uh, are coming from broken houses and has a lot of trauma and bad, bad start of life. I asked and one of, the, one of them, he told me because he's weaker than you. I believe respect, it's a, it's a, a balance of power. If I understand the situation that the other guy is weaker than me. It's easier for me to give him respect because it is not, he is not threatening me. But if he's stronger, if he doesn't have to be like that, but I believe that he has more power than me, so he's threatening me. That this situation is threatening me, and then it's harder to give respect. You see that all over all over. I teach the teachers and of course the children that I give respect. I want to have respect out of values, not out of fear. It's not like in jail when someone has to, to be very, very strong and, strong and violent. So to fear the other guys, so they will give him respect. It's not like that. And the bullying is like that. They are reacting uh, negatively because they are weak and they want to give the attention, the respect, because they don't believe they, they deserve it. So they take it by force. Yeah, I just had a conversation with point. my son about this uh, the other day. Um, and I explained to him that uh, a kid in his school that been I wouldn't say bullying him, but definitely uh, acted in a way that uh, put the power struggle in an unfair situation, right? This kid is way older, right? His, uh, my son is in the second grade and he's in fifth grade. And um, this kid and his friends were uh, yelling some insulting comments to my son. And there's so many interesting aspects of what we're talking about here now. Um, yeah. How am I responding to that as a parent and how... 
uh, how I should react to my kid, um, et cetera. But I will touch all of that. But one of the things that uh, I explained to my son is that that people who do that, you have to assume that they are not loved and they are not hugged, and they are missing something like a fundamental thing in their development. If they have to show uh, that they can humiliate others, right? Because if you are really strong and if you act like a leader, you want to make them grow, right? You want to, you want everybody around you to to flourish, to look better, to be to be better, right? So if you have to make other people feel bad, it means that naturally you feel bad and you want to level with them, right? You want them to level with you. Um, and that's not an act of courage. In fact, when you're looking for someone who is way smaller than you and has no ability to respond in a proper manner, it means necessarily that you are screaming your weakness. Right? It's very clear that you're um, not looking for someone equal to challenge. Right? Um, and that's, to me, that's cowardness. So I explained to him that that's an act, in fact, not just bullying that's an act of of cowardness um and he should not take that into you know thinking that in, not internalize it thinking that he'd done something wrong in the situation it can it could have been anyone walking in this uh day and time uh, at school it happened to be him it could have been someone else right so it's absolutely not personal it's about this satisfaction that these kids have gotten. Now, I understand as a, when I was a child, I could not see those things, right? But also these things were not explained to me. So sometimes you just do things because you, you feel that they're funny, right? That comes with education, right? Like you understand how to, to see the other and what's the, the effect. Like as, a, as a child, you never think of the long-term effect of anything you do, anything, right? I remember... Um, you know, I've done so many stupid things as a child because um, at the time it seemed funny. Um, and I did not think about the long-term effect on, on me or on the other kids around me. I just thought about, cool, let's do something funny now. And, you know, as even when I grew a little bit older, right, I remember I had so many, you know, uh, incidents and accidents and that my body were was, was hurt. And I never thought that there would be a long-term effect to those uh, injuries, but there is, yeah. right? So the thing is that physical injuries, we see right away. Emotional injuries, we don't see, right? They live like inside us and they, they may stay there maybe, you know, for 20 years until you are, you're there to open the, and, and to touch this open wound again. Um, and sometimes that those small events will leave a mark forever and they will change the trajectory of, of your life just because you could not get over something or you didn't have the tools to get over something that may, you know, in, in an adult view is stupid. It's, it's tiny. But as a child, it was, it was so big because you didn't have, you know, the tools to judge and analyze the situation based on you know uh, absolute values at the time your uh, your world was very you know confined and all you could see is is exactly what's in front of you 
um, at least I would say most kids. And so you don't you don't think about what that, what will happen later on, right? But in fact, when we when we were young, there's so much fear that being instilled in us, right? Just I remember when I was a kid, um, I experienced from time to time some some uh, bullying, but I handled that, right? Like I I had the the physical ability to fight back, right? Which allowed me the the verbal ability to fight back because I didn't fear for myself, so I could speak up. Um, but you know, we had just like pockets of of kids in school that they would like try to initiate a fight, and of course, when you are one and they are five, it's easier to initiate the fight for the same reasons, right? Because it, for them, there's no uh, negative physical negative um, consequences because they know that they are yeah. you know they have the upper hand in this situation, um, <laughs> and. I remember, you know, walking around uh, those uh, pockets of like, kids, like these groups of kids, um, and sometimes they would uh, laugh, right? And, I, and it was clear to me that joke is on me. I'm not sure exactly what, but it was very clear that, that you feel bad about it, right? Like you walk around and you feel bad about it. You don't want to engage in one hand, but you also you don't want to feel humiliated. So and it's very hard kind of internal conversation with yourself. Okay, what am I, how am I responding? Is this worth responding or not? Like, and, and you know, if, the, the bigger your ego is, of course, the more you want to respond, regardless of the consequences. Um, and it took me years to release myself from that feeling when I walked around a, a, a random group of people in the street, even though I had absolutely no communication with them and were laughing and the joke was absolutely not on me. But it took me a lot of time to release that feeling, saying that this joke is not on me right now. Um, and I'm a person who does a lot of work on himself all the time, right? Like I'm, and, and the math is my, is my lab work and my, uh, and my, my therapy. And teaching is my therapy. Training is my therapy. And I do always a lot of thinking of how I react and why am I reacting this way and how can I react better in the next time? And I fail a lot. I fail daily, but I try to fail better. Um, and nice. And and the, I'm thinking of for someone who been involved in in such a powerful uh, training like Krav Maga and being around powerful people in my life that my group of uh, close friends are an extremely powerful and and uh, and beautiful souls, beautiful people, and uh, supportive people. And they're, you know, all the, the, the values that we share and we've all been in fighting units and we've all been doing some uh, things that are, let's say, in, in simple words, not so easy. So even then, you know, that I've been involved in, in very powerful uh, acts, I still felt that um, it wasn't easy to overcome it. And I can only imagine what happened to people that they don't have this kind of um, support system and and um, and access to power? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I think uh, in the last uh, couple of months uh, there was one time we set uh, the family and uh, one of the the guys said, Elad, well, I, I talked about education with the self-defense, and he said, Elad, but look at us. 
we turned out to be fine. We we cope. Define what it is. Of course. Every, you know, the water, when they go down, they will find a way down. They don't have any choice. Right. So we cope. Of course we cope. But if the 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 parents, the generation, our parents' generation, knew how to empower us, I'm sure it will save me at least 10 years of achievement in myself, with myself, to understand myself argue, better. One may argue that if you had all this, then you are lacking resilience, right? Like if you never had to deal with the difficulty of it, then you wouldn't learn how to cope, right? And I agree. The point is not to uh, avoid dealing. The point is exactly that, to deal. Let the children deal with the situation, but not, in every, not with every situation. No. There are situations when the, the step the children need to go on is high. He cannot. He cannot. We need to understand the situation and mediate it to the children. If he can do it, so let him, of course, let him deal, it, deal with it with himself. Of course, this is the basic thing. He needs to have the experiences. The empowerment is to burn very strong in the flesh the good experiences. It's like an anchor, good anchors. When, not if, when the children will have to deal with the next hard situation, they have these anchors that they cannot fall from them. They go up, 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 but they have to have the adult around them to support. This is the support system, not to do it for them, to support them from behind. Let them deal with the situations. I hear a lot when people say, you know, don't worry about the kids. You know, they're resilient. They'll be fine. You know, they, they can grow. Their brain is so flexible, neuroplastic. They, they, uh, they can learn how to cope with anything. Humans of all ages can learn how to cope with anything. The question is, how do you build resilience? Is that you, you expose them to pain or to difficulty? which is naturally comes in life and you also, you have to nourish them while they're experiencing it. If you solve it for them, you make them weaker. Exactly. Right. I agree. And it's, it's very exactly hard for the parents to not, to not step in right. Right. and make that, can, uh, yeah. save the day. Yeah. We, we can, you know, talk a lot about it a lot and say what's the, the right ways to do it. And it's easy to say, of course, it's very hard. And you know what? It's easy to understand also, but it's very hard to do it, of course. But this is another point. We need to make an example, right? We are the, the adults. It doesn't matter if it's example for my children or my students or for the teacher. I need to make an example. If I say something, I need to do it. I need to make an example. And the example, it's not only, always to know. It's, it's okay to say, I don't know. 
because I'm human. I can make mistakes. You said it before. We fail. I don't hide my failures. I show them. I mediate them to the children to see, so they will see that there is no perfection. We are, everyone are a person. And one of the life skills is to understand that I'm human and it's okay to make a mistake. I cannot grow up without mistakes. It's not a bad word. Yeah, there's a fear today, especially with this young generation of, of, of imperfection, right? They, they, I mean, even, even the higher education, and I, I see it also in schools, that they dumb down the teaching so much that it's almost impossible to fail, right? Especially the, the, private, uh, the private schools, they don't want failures because you're paying so much. So they will build you up for success and they dumb it down. And, you know, it's not, if you lower the standard, everybody can do it, right? But today kids get the diploma for showing up. Yeah. Right? And I completely disagree with that. And it doesn't matter what's the, the marketing cost and the business cost of, of not doing it. I completely disagree with that. Right. And, I, and I've seen you teach kids you know, in the past 20 years, I've seen you ch change many, many lives. Um, and uh, like your analogy of the, of the tree, how the tree grows you know, straight versus sideways. Because once it went sideways, it's very hard to make it go back, right? And you see when like, every time you go to nature, sometimes you see these trees with very weird trunk, that trunk went to the side and went back up. This is the trauma. I see it as the, the, the trauma of the tree. Exactly. And, and he, the, the tree had to deal with uh, something that was very significant and probably in a young age, but he was fighting to go, go back to it. And that's, I see this a lot in people. Like, in fact, every time I walk in, the, in nature, I see the, the, the woods and I see people as a, and they all grow in different ways. And uh, not too long ago, I, uh, I was upstate uh, in New York and um, went into uh, like one of the usual uh, hiking trails. Um, we saw two trees. One of them was uh, very solid and broken. And the other was not very solid and all bendy. Um, and it was right after a storm that uh, New York New York had. Um, and you could tell that the strong, solid tree that had no flexibility just broke. And yeah. the more flexible one survived and it's all bent, but it has a chance. Exactly. I, I, liked, I like it very much what you said now because for many years I thought that my sensitivity, that my feelings, that I'm too sensitive. Now maybe it's maybe it's uh, right, but it is what it is. You know, I don't want to change it. A couple of years ago, I met uh, someone that uh, told me. He said, "Elad, the fact that you are sensitive, it's not a disadvantage. On the contrary, it is an, an advantage because you are more flexible." Like you said about the tree, 
you know you can take a punch it will go inside you will swallow it and nothing will happen and i took what he said and i i turned something inside my thoughts and it's like i opened up when and when i opened up everything became better my teaching became better the effect on my students was amazing amazing it's like you know someone telling you sometimes something that you know in israel we say you drop the coin and and then poof you understand it's like an explosion and it's like it's amazing it's amazing and when you teach that to the children it's double amazing because more, many many parents are telling the children that they are not allowed to cry because crying is weakness and it's absurd and it you know if we talk about crying people cannot uh, uh, control if they need to cry they need to cry that's it and if we, they fight it it making it, it makes damage and it's not right we are we are who we are we need to accept it we need to like it and it starts when they when we are children this is the point and oh, this is my point yeah if you can share <laughs> some of the uh, experiences you had with kids that um exposing them to krav maga uh, had reshaped yeah. their lives and and perhaps maybe you know something to do with uh, a kid without any uh, regulatory system but, or like a healthy at least regulatory and then another that had gone through something traumatic that brought them into yeah him. yeah i i can tell you a lot of stories um I'll, I'll tell you a story how how I succeed in bridging you know the connection with my students in a very fast way I based myself on on the, on the fact that I need to make an example in everything I, a couple of years ago I had a group in a very hard uh, middle school and it was a uh, i didn't know what i was going in in for you know i sent one of my instructors there and then in one point i got a call he said a lot come very fast i need you i came there and i saw him like standing in the middle of a crowd and everybody all the the, the youth they are like very tall above his height and they're standing very close to him you know like like they're going to there is going to be a fight with him i saw him like very scared not, doesn't know what to do and i went inside like i i became a chameleon you know i reacted like they react and then i i i took them inside the, the gym where we are supposed to train and i took the things to my hands you know i i i led And I, I tried, they were sitting on, on benches, and I tried to start, and no one listens. And I, I, I knew I have to do something 
I have to do something that will uh, uh, take their attention. And I raised my, my voice very high and I asked, who is the one that will come and, and give me a slap to the face? You, you one second later, sorry? You provoked. Yeah, I provoked. You, you needed and to get then, their attention to do something that is un, uh, exactly. unexpected. Exactly. And then and, uh, there was a quiet. quiet. I just want to uh, kind of bridge the cultural gap. Um, the American culture, things are often are a little different. And for that city where uh, you were teaching, the, the level of education and the, the poverty and also the mixed uh, Jews and Muslims. Um, yeah. uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, difficulties that goes into this uh, and the culture of the school. And it's culturally it's very different than what we normally see in the American schools here. So I just stepping in kind of to yeah. bridge the gap. Th that school was um, a, a signed as an experimental school. If children would fall from that school, fall out, they will go to, to jail or to the street. No system will take them. So th th this, th these were the children that I was, was supposed to teach. So I asked that, and there was a quiet. And then uh, I saw no one lifting the hand, no one saying something. There was very, a lot of tension. And I asked, who's the strongest here? And then I saw a lot of, uh, a lot of them looking at someone, one of them. Immediately I called him, come, come here. Please come here, come. So he couldn't say no because I invited, you know, the respect. His honor will be uh, offended if he won't come. So he came. He was a big, they were a, um, it's the, the ninth grade. And he was bigger than me even, you know, he, he, they were big. And he stood beside me and I saw, I told him, give me a slap. He looked at me and he didn't know what, how to react. I told him, it's okay. I won't uh, say anything. I asked you, I, I'm not doing any defense. Just give me a slap. Come on, you gave a slap in one minute ago to your friend because he looked at you wrong, right? So give me a slap. I won't do anything. Here, look, I, I put my hands behind my back. Give me a slap. And I, he gave me a slap. Wow. Very, from the heart, you know? <laughs> And I got a slap, I looked at him, my, eye, my face was red, and my eye was starting to, you know, to, to cry. I looked at him, I looked at everyone, and I said, okay, now we can start. Just like that. Everybody were in shock that I didn't do anything. They didn't know how to understand the situation. But for, for me, I taught them something especially them, that I can take a punch, take a hit, and not, not give back. Because I trust myself. I can do it. I can handle it. Sorry? Would you do it again? Or would you I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, it depends on the situation. I, 
I will tell you a little more, more experiences is more or less like that, but this is one of the experiences that, that for me was a very strong experience. And from that point, all year, they came on clock. They, they respected me. I earned the respect, and then I could have influenced them. This is the, the, the point. I need to make a connection. I need to build the trust so I can influence them. If they, there is no trust, they won't listen to me. And it's relevant to every group of students that I meet. If they don't trust me, they won't do what I'm telling them to do or what I teach them. It will go inside one ear and go out of the other. I want them to finish the lesson and think about the lesson, not forget it. This is why I need to be very relevant, very, very relevant. So this is one, one story. I can tell you that, again, we, in, in a, a close village that I worked with, for children that are at risk, that uh, the, the welfare took them out of the house because there was danger for their life. They were traumatized by their parents or by they don't have parents a lot of stories bad stories uh, there is a I'm still in contact with that uh, boy he's now he need to join the army uh, in this summer and he finishes uh, the, the the 12th grade and supposed to join I met him when he was 13 years old I worked with him a couple of years, maybe maybe less, even 10 years old. He was traumatized because, and it's a bad story, right? He, he, when he was nine, he heard his mother screams at her room. He came and he saw the boyfriend of her mother, his mother raping her and hitting her, uh, he tried to help, and that guy slapped him and, and threw him to the floor and told him to get away. He took a, a broom, broke the broom, got back to the, the room, and stabbed him from the back with, with a piece of broom. Nine years old for the adult. And he told him, if he come back, he will kill him. The boy told the grown-up. The grown-up left. Now, this is a story. This is his, one of his traumas. When I met him, no one was messing with him. Because if he flips, he is he, he, like, you know, like a bull. He's going back to his trauma. Yeah. He leaves it back. He leaves it again. And we worked. After a couple of years, he was doing fights. And he was control he controlled the regulator. You mean sparring? It was amazing. Sorry? You mean he was sparring on the mat? Yeah, yeah. We did we didn't have mat there, but in that room, in in with what we have, we were doing fights. In the beginning, it was with me. I could take the punch and, and to 
talk to him through it and to, to make him think. Of course, there was trust. If there is no trust, he wouldn't do it. We can see it on, with our students. When we, we give them uh, exercises, uh, drills of fighting, like sparring, if there is no trust, they are, they are concerned and they, they don't know what to do. So they do, they're moving fast. And they, 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 when they move fast, they, they became more power, more, more strong. And then they hit higher level and it's not good. So there are injuries. So we need to build the trust. So I, when I'm doing sparring, I trust my partner not to hit me back so strong. He will keep me safe and I will keep himself. So this is a, a, a process. So in the beginning, it was with me, afterwards with the other children and all of the children there have a big issue of trust. This is the main issue because they trusted adults when they were younger and they failed them. So they don't trust. And it, of course it's logic. Yeah, they always so expect, I have to build the trust. They expect the the history to repeat naturally. Yeah, exactly. So if I understand that, if I'm not taking their reaction personally, I can react according to the situation. This is the point. I had one guy there that uh, hit me. I was talking to him. He had a very, very high intelligence, like talking intelligence, you know, verbal intelligence. He was very sharp and he was small for his age. And he was uh, interfering the, the lesson all the time, was talking, uh, stopping me. And there were other people, other children that wanted to, to train. So there was starting, there was fights, small arguments between them. One say, stop uh, to, to that guy, stop what you're doing. You don't have to be here. He was, he will uh, say something to, you know, uh, to, to sting that guy that told him. And there were arguments. When I talked to him after the lesson, I told him, you know, you have a lot of abilities. I wish I could talk like you. You, you, you know, you, you, can, you can talk. You can sell whatever you want. You know how to do it. And when I finished telling him that, I saw something in his eyes. I knew immediately. I understand he's going to hit me. And I stopped myself. Of, to, I didn't move. I, I said to myself, I will take it. It was a split of a second. He gave me a, a knee to the groin. I took the knee. He was sure I will do something. So I looked at him. I couldn't talk. It's like it was hurting. And he said, wow, wow you should have, have make a defense. You are a Krav Maga instructor. Why didn't you make the defense? So I, I, uh, I did this to him, like, wait a second, because I did, couldn't talk. And then I said, if I would have done the defense, it will hurt you. And I don't want to hurt you. 
I prefer my priorities were that I won't hurt you. I can take it. And that's it. I didn't say anything more. And I turned and walked. All that year, he was with me. That situation that I chose to react like I did, build the trust. And so then he I, started listening. Right. And you, you basically, what you did is rewired his uh, expectations now that knowing that there's, there is another way. It's a possibility that there, there, there will be a different outcome to a situation. And then slowly, you know, with, with the right amount of therapy, not just Krav Maga, he could also expand those uh, expectations to other relationships. But what you're yeah. doing is not what is expected from an instructor, right? What you are doing is what is expected from a therapist, um, but adding on the physical, the, the physical element of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing that is very safe for people when they are going to therapy is that the therapist will not take an offense no matter what they say, right? That's the, that's the safe part of the room, right? They can say whatever they, they want, and they know that they cannot hurt the therapist. That's why the therapist is there, right? That's the, that's the safe part of the relationship. But in Krav Maga, in fact, there is a chance that they will hurt. You know, they will hurt the person working with them. It might be the instructor. It might be someone else. And now you, as a, I'm say, therapeutic figure, right? Because it's not just, it's not something that we both learned in an instructor's course, right? The instructor's courses are teaching you how to punch and kick and how to break down the punch and the kick and uh, and maybe how to follow a lesson plan. But when you're learning how to teach is a different thing. And then learning how to empower people is a, is a, a whole other thing. And managing yeah. the room, managing all the... I, I like to tell people that like when, you, when you're coaching, there's different between instructing and coaching, right? You know, coaching a group, you have to summarize like to sum up all the feelings in the room all the different personalities and the skill levels and average it and then kind of digest it and then you build the lesson plan from there right so i have my lesson plan but like the tools that i that i use for the outcome of the lesson plan right and sometimes i i discovered that my plan was very ambitious even though it was not ambitious at all and sometimes i realized oh my god like i need i need to be a lot more aggressive why because based on the people that i teach right based on the feelings that i i have in the room um and uh, especially that i i know you are very much like me um you absorb the feelings of the people around you and you can you can see that someone behaves in a certain way and or or feel in a certain way and immediately kind of take it in right and then to, it takes time to learn how to throw a bubble around you it's like this is not my feeling this is someone else's yeah. feeling i cannot act based off of this feeling because it's not mine and it's not mine to manage right i am what i am doing in fact if i want to serve the room at best is to ignore that feeling and to guide everybody, you know, into a better place. But it's my job. I keep on on holding the steering wheel. I need to make sure that everybody is going to the same direction, and I cannot let the person that uh, kind of holds me emotionally back dictate how this class is going to look like. But that took me 
thousands of hours of teaching to understand. Okay. <laughs> it's okay, right? But, but I think this is what we are inspired to, you know? Uh, it's, it's, you said before that uh, it's not expected out of an instructor to react like that. I agree. I think I reacted because, like that because I cared, because I understood his place. He, these children, they, they take every day, they take on their head that they are not right, that they are wrong, that they are reacting wrong, that they are violent, that they are not good enough. Every day. And they started to, to accept it and to behave like this. So their default is the bad behavior. And when I react not according to what they think that I would do, it's like, what happened now? What? Is, what, what? Like that. And it's opened the eyes. And now it's, it's a start. And of course, they will check me all the time. They will wait for in the corner to see that where, where I will fall down. And they will catch me in that point. And only to justify wh why they are not good enough. But I don't let them. And the basic thing is that I care. I do it because I care. And this is what I'm telling to all the teachers. In order to succeed, taking that, the, the, the weakest link in their, in their uh, class, in order to succeed, you need to care. Because if you care, when you finish work, you still think of, of that child and you do something. You make a phone call to his parents and telling them, tell them what, how he, their son behaved good, not only bad, good. They need to have good experience. They need to hear it. If they won't hear it, they won't believe it. If they will hear it, eventually, we hope they will believe it. This is why we need to burn the good experience, the excellent experience, to show them, to convince them that they are worth. They have worth. They're good enough. They are good enough. If we don't believe it, of course they won't believe it. Yeah, and I see but it as an adult. I see it, and, and many times, uh, mostly I see this with women, but when I ask them to do something that they seem to not believe they can, and they say, I can't, or, or I can see that they are reluctant to try. And I tell them, how come I believe in you more than you believe in you? I can see that you can do it. That's why I'm asking you to do it. And that's true, not just for people with so low social economical uh, situation. Just today, I had the conversation with someone who has a PhD. She's a professor. And I had to, say, to tell her the same thing. How come I believe in you more than you believe in you? Right? It goes all across the board. It also happens to me with uh, people who are extremely famous and people who are extremely successful at what they do. It's true all across the board. The one time that I remember that I will never forget that defined almost the way I teach 
that I was volunteering in a domestic violence shelter, um, which I know you have done too, and that will be a different conversation for another day. Um, and uh, I asked uh, one of the women to do something uh, physical. And you can tell this, this shelter was definitely the, like the lowest link, you know, like the, the, the last uh, part in the food chain, you know, like that there are yeah. definitely people that don't have money and they don't have education, you know, some of them are toothless and, you know, all of them are unhealthy in all ways that you can, you can imagine. Um, and that's obviously started with childhood. Right. Um, I can only imagine how much trauma their body and their, their mind has gone through. And I asked her to do something that is relatively simple. And the, her first reaction was, I can't. But I said, why are you saying I can't if you don't try? How do you know if you can't or not? She said, okay, I'll try, but I'm telling you I can't. And then she's doing it, exactly what I asked her to do. And while she's doing it successfully, she's screaming, I can't. But and then I stopped the drill and told like, why are you saying I can't? Because you are doing it successfully while you are convincing yourself you can't. And then she stopped and started crying. She said, You're right. I never never thought that I can do anything. But you just showed me that I can. And I have to stop talking to myself this way. And that moment changed her mindset completely. Her training trajectory sense became extremely different. Um, and every year, she's still, it's been almost a decade, I don't know, less than a decade, but every year she still sends me a message almost on the day, uh, just thank you. And, yeah. and that means a lot, right? That's the best reward one can have, right? Because what we do, uh, you, you, don't, you don't become, uh, you know, uh, rich from uh, doing what we do, but you become very rich in your soul, in your heart, because you, you leave a legacy. You leave something behind that you can be proud of. You do something that uh, have an impact, right? You you like a, a candle that lights other candles, and you know that you've done what you could to to leave this world for your kids a better world, a better place. Um, and we are not. It's not enough. We're not gonna on, gonna fix the world. As Imi said, do what you can, but do it well. But yeah. you have to have the right intent to change and to help rather than to be a burden to society and, and to make other people feel bad, and which perfectly closes the, the whole theme of, again, self-worth, right? To believe that you can, to believe that you're worth it, to believe that other people are worth it, and, and, and to, be, to see other people the way they are, uh, you need to not to see them as a threat. Right to say to, to tell someone that they are they are uh, good looking or they're smart doesn't make you less less pretty or less smart or less of anything. Right? In fact, yeah. it makes you grow. Exactly, and that person will will want to be beside you because right. they feel comfortable. They don't feel threatened by you. They, this is the the, the messages. We, we bring to the class and in all ages, especially children, especially children, because we need to like, like a computer to write the right uh, software 
in their mind how to understand situation. It's now, how do you understand the, the, the conflicting messages that some parents that are either very career-driven or just don't, don't understand those basic life skills? Some of some parents, you know, say, like, oh, go teach my child self-defense and fix him because he's, uh, you know, interrupting and, like, not, uh, don't have enough uh, regulatory, uh, you know, control. How do you deal with that when the parents are uh, giving conflicting messaging at home? I like that question. I like that question. Um, I, I will give you a simple, one of the simple answers that I give them. I'm telling them I will do my best. But I just need one thing from you. Give them compliments to not the regular compliments. Find things to tell your child that they are good at, that they have done good. Specify. Do that. Yeah. Yeah, specify. Do that. You will see his behavior will change for the best, for the good. You will see. And at the beginning, they don't understand. Of course, after we talk and I build the trust with the parents, they start to believe more and they're doing it. And this is the basic thing. Make him feel wanted. He will change. The child knows what's a good behavior and what's bad behavior. He knows, he sees, he, he lives in this world, you know, but he wants the attention. So he's going to take it. The, the question is how? And that's what we need to do. Mediate to make the, the right direction for him to, to help him, and it's not by being strong with him. The, the, to give borders, it, 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 we have to, he has to have the boundaries, of course. But the basic, he needs to feel he is being loved and wanted, then he will listen, otherwise, he won't listen. So you know, I see I see a lot of mistakes people do, but not on purpose. That sometimes I, I I teach what not to do. Not only what to do, what not to do. If you can avoid your mistakes, I will be satisfied. Now mistakes are you know naturally happens sometimes you just have you know, uh, an outside stress that, that affects the way you analyze the situation or the, that your capacity to um to contain the situation emotionally or even just with with time restraints right but you know parents shouldn't beat themselves up uh for for failing also but because they they as you as you always say to me 80 percent of the time they need to experience yeah, positivity and the twenty percent of the time challenge, as it's that's a yeah. quote from you, and I I try to live by that. I uh, I understand that, you know, my my reaction to my kids have to be, you know, more on, on the positive side. Sometimes when I deal with uh, some stressful situations or with crises uh, at work or with my personal life, I always remember that I have to put them first. Because by the end of the day, when you're looking at your values, like what is more important for me right now to deal with 
a work situation or to show my child that he matters more? And is it a time restraint? It means like I have to react right now. If yes, I will tell my child that he will have to wait. But if not, then attend to him for even two, three minutes just to show him that you love him and explain to him that why you need that so much, right? And I find that when you are giving them the right attention, they, they tend to uh, respect you more. And I fail at that, again, daily, but I am trying to fail less uh, in that department. Um, but it's, failing is just a part of the process. But, but as you said, you know, 80%, also 80% of the parenting should be, like the majority of the time should be positive. Um, and, and this is- That's the point, that's the point. There is no perfect, perfect parenting. There's also no perfect teaching. Sometimes us as instructors come to the mat um, and not uh, providing the best uh, uh, teaching possible. Awesome. But again, it's just a matter of consistency. And just to summarize everything you, you had said so far, um, it's not rocket science, right? We need to care. We need to see what's the motives of like why did a person behaves in a certain way and in a, in a way i when i saw my kids as babies i learned that they have different kind of cries three or four different kinds of cries that i learned how to identify right one when he's uncomfortable he needs to change diaper or something or like he's uh, uncomfortable and where in the position he's at so he needs a change he needs maybe food, he wants a hug, right? So those are like really basic things, right? He needs to connect, he needs to eat, he's uncomfortable, okay? He needs to go to the bathroom. And if you zoom out, adults are just the same. Same needs, just different topics, same needs. People are angry and people, people don't cry because they have more ways to communicate when they are hungry or when they are tired or when they're uncomfortable, even when they, are, they need to go to the bathroom. By the end of the day, that's exactly how we behave. And uncomfortable, of course, for, for grown-ups is uh, a lot more broad, right? And how, you, how I feel in a situation is falls under discomfort. Um, but by the end of the day, we have to manage those feelings ourselves. And the first thing that we need to do as, uh, as adults is to understand what makes me feel uncomfortable. And this is again, self-defense, as you started this conversation, self-defense one-on-one. If I know what makes me feel uncomfortable, I protect my boundaries and my lines beforehand. I don't want to expose myself so much into something that makes me feel uncomfortable and then I tend to be overreactive or underreactive to it. Right? I wanna make sure that I stop it before it gets too close to me. Right? And sometimes it means that you have to give people you know, a strong, uh, hard stop. It's like, no, I don't want you in my life. I don't want you near me, even though it's uncomfortable, sometimes unsettling to say this. But yeah. it's if we understand that we have to protect what makes us feel uncomfortable and and then, you know, the higher level of that is why it makes me feel uncomfortable. And maybe later it will be less, you know, less sensitive. Yeah. That's the work. So, you know, we, exactly. we in the first 20 years of our lives, we... We are not seeing all the, the mistakes we're seeing, we're doing. And then the, the third decade of our life, at 20 to 30, you know, we think that we're uh, grown-ups and then we make horrible mistakes. 
and then the rest of our lives we try to fix it. Exactly. What you 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 said now it's 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 a, the language of therapy. This is therapy. Simple, simple as that. You know, and I I can tell you for for like to close. Uh, one time, one of the social workers called me and told me, Elad, I have to tell you a story. Uh, the social worker in a school called the, the closed village and asked, what are those sentences that this, she was talking about one of the certain specific boy that was every day there were our fights. And every day, every week, there is police there, and they suspend him. And she called to ask what happened. Why in this week, nothing was wrong? How come he, he didn't fight? What happened? And what are those sentences? Like in Krav Maga, there are no rules. Do everything in your power not to get hurt and use your knowledge by need. What is that? And that made me feel amazing. This was a very high satisfaction because that boy, he got from me a bracelet, you know, with, with the, for the, from the Krav Maga. And I told him, I told everyone, that when you are in, in stress, when there is a, an uncomfortable situation that you feel threatened, Look at it, look at it. And it will remind you those sentences. You gave and him something it will tangible. remind you. Yeah. Sorry? You gave him something tangible that he, yeah, can, yeah. he can remind himself that he's strong. And he can remind himself that he knows what to do in those situations. Because of a lot of, a lot of the, the bad uh, reactions are coming from the need of self-defense. Because I feel helpless. I don't know what to do. So, I, so there was one story uh, about a, a child uh, that I trained in those uh, that closed village for uh, children at risk. That it, it started like I I got a phone call from a social worker that I'm working with. That she told me, "Elad, you have to hear this story. It's amazing." And she told me that she got a call from a, a social worker at a, a school of that uh, one child. That that social worker told her, like, it's amazing. I don't know what happened. What happened? How come that child didn't got into fight? This week, there were no fights. And she, she asked, what are those sentences? do everything in your power not to get hurt and use your knowledge by need. What is that? And it, it, it's amazing because these are the sentences we are talking, uh, uh, saying in every class, uh, since I was a child, we were saying it on the mat, in every class. Uh, and I teach it. And these sentences are guidelines. And those uh, children, uh, I, I brought to them, I gave them a bracelet. And I told them that in 
if there is a situation that they feel uncomfortable, in stress, they don't know what to do, they feel helpless, so they will look at that bracelet, they will touch it, they will remember those sentences, and they will understand, and they will believe that they know what to do, because they do. They just need to believe in themselves. And that, that what happened. This, uh, this uh, child, uh, he was in, in a situation that in, in everyday life, he would fight. And he didn't. He touched the, the bracelet and he remembered. And he told those, the, those social workers that this is what he learned. This is what he knows. And these sentences helped him to avoid. And for me, it's amazing because all this bad behavior, it comes from the need of self-defense because they feel helpless, because they feel threatened by the situation. And when we understand that and we give the specific knowledge how to deal with these situations, so they have solution. They, they just need to, to believe in themselves. And if we practice it uh, enough times, so it becomes them. It's, it's a habit. And these habits keep them safe That's and help them understand the situation and get the right decisions. We become what we do. And then the, the more we practice, the, the more we are... Uh, creating the the habits of uh, of responding in certain ways and like you do it enough times then you slowly start to even change the way your brain uh work exactly uh, and this is like for the next time maybe to talk about the principles of krav maga yeah and it is all, all the the principles of krav maga that we talk about is that we, we talk about that the guide is more important than than the what than the how right because if the, exactly. the guide has the the right values and and is able to see the student and to care like to summarize everything you said so far then the, the system matters less but you know you see today there's so many different styles of teaching and a lot of them are good right but in order to know what is more authentic right we need to have first a lot more points of contact with reality and this is why Krav Maga as the authentic Krav Maga as we believe it is the, the best system because it, it has a lot of points of contact with reality. And uh, the next week we're going to record uh, a new episode and we're going to talk about the principles of Krav Maga and like learn how to uh, make a judgment call whether that what we're training is more on the traditional side or more on the um, offensive side. Or like learn what kind of style you are learning based on the principles. And if, as long as it follows the principles. The, the teaching style may be completely different, but the result will be the same. Yeah, you said it right. Elad, thank you very much for being here today, and I look forward to seeing thank you. you on the other side of the world very soon. Good night. Thank you, thank you. See you. Bye-bye.